Welcome back to Current Affairs, our show about the stories of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. These shorter contemporary stories come out every Friday. Well, some of you may know our extensive, full-length, very long episodes on one case come out on Wednesdays. Today, we kick off with a couple of updates around recent cases we've covered. Last week, the world got some measure of closure in the disappearance and murder of Natalie Holloway. Long-suspected Joran Vandersloot confessed to killing Natalie after she rejected his sexual advances in Aruba in 2005. The confession was offered as part of a plea deal around extortion and wire fraud charges and was confirmed by Polygraph. One of the most frustrating aspects of the case, however, was that Joran, who is in prison in Peru for a different murder, was unlikely to ever face justice for Natalie's actual murder due to Aruba's 12-year statute of limitations. That said, recent comments from authorities in Aruba seem to leave that possibility open. A spokesperson from the country's public prosecutor's office said that the investigation remains open and that the question of whether Vandersloot could still face murder charges, quote, cannot be answered with a simple yes or no. The office has also requested records from the U.S. Department of Justice around the investigation. Next, an update in the Long Island serial killer case. Suspected killer Rex Huberman was, of course, arrested earlier this year, and since then, authorities have been trying to figure out if there were other unsolved murders he might be connected to. Now, Huberman has been linked by witnesses to two more Gilgo Beach victims. At a press conference last week, authorities in Suffolk County said that they're investigating the claims of four witnesses who have come forward around the disappearance of sex worker Shannon Gilbert, who disappeared in May 2010 after calling 911 and fleeing a client's home. Her remains were found in December of 2011. One of the witnesses was a cab driver who in 2009 was told by her dispatcher that the person who had called for a ride was locked in a bathroom motel and that the cabbie should flash her headlights and honk her horn when she arrived. The cab driver, sort of astoundingly in a situation that sounds so incredibly messed up, did that and outran a, quote, giant man who fit the description of Rex Huerman covering his face and running to an SUV parked nearby. Acting like it's the paparazzi. A woman the cab driver believes to be Shannon Gilbert came out after, quote, crying, shaking, very upset. The woman said that she had met the man on Craigslist and he had promised to take care of her family. Ugh. Another witness said that she and her boyfriend were swingers and had gone to Huerman's house after finding his number posted on a wall for hookups at a bar in New York City. Man, what a disappointment that would be, I gotta say. This was around Valentine's Day 1996. That sounds like a Valentine's Day from hell. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to the Patreon of Valentine's Dates from Hell. That one should be in the Hall of Fame there. Before driving to Huerman's house, the couple claimed to have picked up 34-year-old sex worker Karen Vergata, who was previously known as Jane Doe No. 7 and whose remains had been found in the area on April 20th, 1996. Upon arriving, the witness said that she met Huerman's wife, Asa Ellerup, and stayed with her most of the evening while her boyfriend, who was bisexual, kept disappearing to have sex with Huerman. The witness said she also had sex with him. When they were leaving, the witness claimed to have seen Karen running naked outside by the garage. She said that her boyfriend, quote, 
told me not to worry about her, that she was okay. They were only playing a game. We left without her. I felt uneasy that we left without the woman. Another separate witness, a sex worker, claims to have had sex with Hurman numerous times while his wife was in the home. Now, obviously these claims, which it should be clear are just allegations at this point, have brought up questions of what Rex Hurman's wife knew. A lawyer for Ellerup, however, has bit back sharply saying, we categorically deny any truth to them. I also think that even if these allegations were true, having weird sex doesn't necessarily mean that she was in on the murder. No, but having a naked sex worker running around outside your garage is a little sus. If she's found deceased later on, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot more coming out about this case. Absolutely. Moving to new cases, one of the highest profile stories this week was the arrest of ex-Major League Baseball player Danny Serafini around the murder of his father-in-law and attempted murder of his mother-in-law. There is actually frustratingly little information, but here's what we know. Back on June 5th, 2021, police in North Lake Tahoe got a 911 call. When they arrived at the house, 70-year-old Robert Gary Spohr was dead from a gunshot wound, and 68-year-old Wendy Wood had also been shot but was still alive. She recovered from her injuries but sadly passed away a year later. The investigator's case began with a review of video surveillance from a nearby home. It showed a hooded male wearing a face covering and a backpack walking to the residence a number of hours before the murder happened. Over the next two years, evidence led them to hone in on Serafini, the couple's son-in-law, and another woman, 33-year-old Samantha Scott, who was arrested on the same day as Serafini. Up until that point, Serafini had been best known for being a major league pitcher. He was drafted out of high school in 1992 by the Minnesota Twins and made his pitching debut in 1996. His MLB career ended in 2007 after being suspended for 50 games for failing a performance-enhancing drug test. Serafini claimed the drugs had been prescribed to him by a doctor in Japan while playing in that country between 2004 and 2007. It's always the pills from Japan. It's always the foreign pills. There is still a lot that isn't quite clear yet about this case. Serafini was married to the victim's daughter, Erin, but there is little said about their relationship. There also isn't much available yet about Serafini's relationship with the other woman arrested, Samantha Scott. Robert and Wendy's other daughter, Adrian, did speak a bit, mostly to share words of praise for the investigators. When asked about her sister, Erin, Adrian said, Despite being pressed for my opinion, I cannot comment on my sister's level of involvement at this time. Hmm. Yet, overall, Adrian said, I feel an immense weight lifted off my shoulders. I have held onto my parents' ashes as I have never felt right scattering them without the justice they deserved. Now that justice has been served, my parents can finally rest in peace. We will definitely keep you guys all posted on this as updates come in. Up last today, we tell the story of Connor and Betty Bowman. 32-year-old Minnesota resident Betty Bowman was hospitalized in August with symptoms that looked like food poisoning. Four days later, however, she was dead. An obituary later posted online said Betty died following a sudden-onset autoimmune and infectious illness. The obituary certainly did not mention the potential for poisoning or the strange coincidence that Betty's husband, Connor, was a medical student and poison specialist. Hmm. 
Just a couple short months later, however, Connor would be arrested and accused of administrating liquid colchicine to his wife. The substance is generally used to treat gout, but can be fatal if administered at a high dosage. Once again, a husband murderer was done in by Google searches. Gosh, even the poison specialist can't get it right. Yep, not smart enough to get around those Google searches. The fatal dosage of liquid colchicine is anything over 0.5 milligrams per kilogram of weight. Connor did searches to convert Betty's weight to kilograms, which I'm shocked he didn't know that as a poison specialist and medical student, and then multiplied that by 0.8. The kids, they can't do math in their head these days, Andy. (laughs) Myself included, but I never tried. And I'm not a poison specialist. No, or medical student. Nor that. His searches also showed him purchasing the substance five days before Betty died. Just for good measure, he also searched about how to delete Amazon data and on whether internet searches can be used in court. Wowza. Betty was a pharmacist. An online obituary read, Betty inspired and encouraged others to be their truest selves. As a vibrant and outgoing young woman, Betty lived life to the fullest, including never missing the opportunity to travel and experience a new place. Our condolences to Betty's family and their loved ones for their devastating loss. We'll be posting a GoFundMe link where one of Betty's friends is helping Betty's mother, Nancy, raise money to help with the memorial costs and legal fees. Until next time, I'm Jessie Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette, signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs. <laughs>